Let me read Acts 20. Our text verse for the entire year is verse number 20. And let me read it right out of the gate here to begin. It says, And how, the Apostle Paul said, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, and from house to house. We're going to be talking a lot about this verse over the course of the year and, of course, this Sunday as well. And uh, sometimes this Acts 2020 has been called the 2020 vision. The Acts 2020 vision. Let me read it again here. In fact, why don't you read it with me? Everybody together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, we can read that verse in 10 seconds, but Paul spent three plus years in Ephesus. It tells us later on in the passage of Scripture uh, that he spent three years talking publicly and privately from house to house. And so we just got a, just a soundbite tonight, but um, our theme for 2020, are you ready, drum roll, please? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for that drum roll. And our drum, our 2020 theme is this year, is, or rather our theme for 2020 is sharpening our focus in 2020. And I want to deal with that just in the minutes that we have together tonight. We want to have a time of testimony and time of consecration. And we'll be out of here in a very prudent time here before 6.30, I'm sure. But uh, let me just spend a couple minutes giving you a background of this text here. And we'll look at it again on Sunday in more detail. But uh, you guys get, uh, get a little bit more tonight for being here this evening, of course. And uh, uh, Paul spent three years, he labored in the very pagan city of Ephesus. It was a very, very metropolitan, very big, large city, even in this time. And it was a very uh, entertaining city. It was a very carnal city. It would probably be like a Las Vegas or Atlantic City today. And uh, it was a pagan in its worship. It had the great, one of the seven wonders of the world, ancient wonders of the world. They had the, the temple to the pagan goddess Diana. And uh, it's believed that Timothy, of course, uh, church history tells us that Timothy would end up spending 30 years as the young Timothy, of course, says he was the, the pastor of Ephesus, of course. And we read about Ephesus. We have a whole book in the Bible to the Ephesians and uh, six chapters there in, in, uh, of Ephesians, of course. And then we read about the seven churches of Asia Minor in uh, Revelation 2 and 3. And right out of the gate, the first church we mentioned is the church at Ephesus. And so Paul spent three years there. And he gathers the pastors together, just in way of, again, an introduction. If you glance back to verse 17, I think it is. Um, he came from Miletus, and uh, he sent from Miletus, rather, rather, to Ephesus, and called the elders about 40 miles away. And he called all the elders, all the preachers, the pastors, or bishops, from uh, Ephesus, and he brought them to, to uh to Miletus to, to Miletum to speak to them in regards to, uh, he was moving on to Jerusalem, and we'll look at this probably in more detail next, this coming Sunday. But he came to give them a last-minute coach job, if you will, before his departure. And Paul ministered in two specific ways. Verse 20, he says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Paul said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you. And, and uh, Paul ministered, first of all, by his lifestyle. He... Uh, he showed them by his own life example. The best witness that we have is by our life, by our consistent walk in life. And Paul walked amongst these people for three plus years, it tells us later on in the text. And he lived by example. And Paul's lifestyle was a testimony to what true Christianity is all about and the grace of God, of course. He, the Bible says that he gave himself. Uh, in 2020, 
I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ. Give your life to the church. Give your life to the ministry of the work of God. Paul gave his life and gave himself. He gave of himself to the church at Ephesus for three plus years, day in and day out, every Sabbath reasoning in the, the synagogue, of course. And then, of course, the church, of course, evolved and daily in the temple. They, were, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ and from house to house, we read. So he lived by, he gave, he gave his life as an example. He led by example. He told Timothy later on in 2 Timothy 4.12, be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation and faith and purity and purity and spirit and uh, faith and spirit and purity. And uh, he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. And so he told Timothy to, to lead by example as well. Verse 34 or 35 of the text to chapter 20, notice it was with me please. He said, I have showed you, I have showed you. Again, in verse number 20, he says that, uh, but I have showed you. Again, in verse 35, he says, but I have showed you that so laboring you ought to support the weak. That takes example, life by example, and takes work. And to remember the Lord Jesus, how it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was a giver. And so Paul gave himself in the ministry. First of all, he gave his life. But Paul, he ministered by his life. He ministered by example. But then secondly, back to verse 20, Paul ministered by his lips, by his speech, by, his, by uh, giving sound doctrine. Notice what it says in verse 20 again. But I but have showed you, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you and have taught you. Now how did he teach them? Both publicly and privately, from house to house, and in the public assemblies as well. And so he taught them. What did he teach them? Well, verse 27 tells us what he taught them. For I have not shunned to declare unto you, notice, what's, what's the next word? Help me out. All the counsel of God. Uh, Paul wanted to publicly share all the counsel of God, not just the, the positive parts, but the negative parts as well. And... Uh, he taught them publicly and he taught them privately. And so the rest of the verses from verse 20 to verse or 21 and succeeding to verse 35, uh, just glance at verse 21. He succinctly says what the mission was that, that he performed in, for three years in Ephesus, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to give more instructions, more details, more warnings in the uh, verses to follow. And we'll look at that again, Lord willing, on Sunday in more detail. But summarizing, our key verse is verse number 20 of chapter 20. And we want to sharpen the focus, our focus as a church in 2020. We want to, I can say it this way, we want to let the church be the church. There's a lot of churches that I, I'm not suggesting that if you don't have a New Year's Eve service, we didn't have a Christmas Eve service last week, but I'm not, I don't want to suggest that if you don't have a New Year's Eve service, you're not a good functioning church. Somebody called and asked if we were going to have a New Year's Day service. And I said, no, we got a New Year's Eve service. And uh, sorry about that. They want to have a New Year's Day service. We don't, didn't have that, or we don't have that, rather. But uh, back to Acts chapter 5. In verse 42, you need not turn there. The Bible says, daily in the temple, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We, uh, in 2020, we want to let the church be the church. We want to continue to this, this church uh, to move forward as never before. 
Let me give you some promises. The Bible says that the gates of hell, Matthew 16, 18, will not prevail against this church. We, we, uh, I, it's an intimate crowd here tonight. I can get away with saying this, let down my guard here a little bit there. Uh, uh, we took a beating here in 2019, crowd-wise, of course, especially the last half of the year. We lost a lot of people for various reasons. Of course, a lot of people heading south, a lot of key families moving away and so forth, and it, it happens, and there's a downsizing in, uh, in the New, New England area to begin with. I just saw on the news, I heard on the radio this and Connecticut's the second most moved out state in the nation in 2019. People are moving out of our state faster than we can shake a stick, so to speak. But uh, the church, Jesus promised this truth that the gates of heaven will not prevail against it. And uh, in 2020, we've got to let the church remain the church. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, if we were going to Romans, Revelation 2, verse 4, we could read about the church at Ephesus and the Bible says that they, they were a great church, but the Lord had nevertheless he had somewhat against them. Remember what he had against them? They left their what? They left their first love. How's your love for the Lord tonight? I hate when preachers say this, and now I'm going to say it. Has there ever been a time in your life, in your Christian life, where you had more love for the Lord than you have tonight? That, 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 that to me, I, I don't like that statement, because there's been times where I've, I've, I've had this great over, just, just, Many times where I've had this great love for the Lord and, and sometimes we equate it with them, our emotions and I can start to cry at the drop of a hat when I think of the grace of God in my life and so forth and uh, I don't feel like crying right now, right now, or this moment in time here so I don't have the emotion that I've had at other times but is our love for the Lord, is it more intense or is it as intense as it's ever been in uh, 2020 or even tonight as we have an opportunity to consecrate ourselves to the Lord once again here in just a minutes from now. Or has our church, uh, how about yourself personally? Maybe you've lost your first love, or maybe as in the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, you've grown lukewarm. Uh, again, I'm not casting stones, uh, uh, throwing stones at anybody that's not here tonight. There's plenty of good reasons why people can't be here tonight. I knew, again, that the time, any time you make the service on New Year's Eve service is going to be a wrong time. If I made it at 6.30, 7.30, it would be too, too late for other people. And you know, you know what I'm saying. You can't make a perfect time no matter how you do it. But uh, there's some people that could probably have been here, a handful of people that could have been here but chose not to be here, maybe because they just, they've cooled off in their love to the Lord. They're lukewarm in their love to the Lord. Uh, the song says, Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Uh, may our hearts be on fire. May the church be the church in regards to our first love, getting back to our first love and not growing lukewarm and keeping on, keeping on, because the Lord says the gates of hell should not prevail against his church. And so in 2020, we need to sharpen with laser-like vision, 2020 vision, if you will. We need to sharpen several things. In fact, I have five these are my five P words. I have to have an alliterated outline, of course. That's how I preach, of course. So um, I just want to give you in sound bites here tonight, just a minute or so a piece, a couple minutes a piece, tops. But uh, five ways that we need to sharpen our church in 2020. First of all, we need to sharpen our positions. Our positions. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? We need to be definitive on what we stand for. We need to be definitive on what we stand against. Now, that's not po positive, I know. We need to be stand for the positives, and we need to also be against some things. And that's, I know, very negative. I understand that. But I want you to notice that Paul said 
verse 27, for I have not shunned. Hey, we're going to heaven one day, and all God's people said? Nobody has, a, nobody has a problem with me saying that, do you? I didn't think so. Now, we're going to heaven one day, and Paul said, I'm not shunned to declare to you that. Well, that's easy to declare. But if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. Now, that's hard to say. And that's hard to hear. But it's still true. And it's, and it's, it's truth. It's, it's, uh, I got scared into heaven by hearing about hell. That's how I got saved. And Paul said, for I am not, verse 27, for I am not shunned to declare unto you all, there's the key word, all the counsel of God. Now, I don't have time to meddle, and I just have only a minute on this point. But we're in a new era in the churches, and we're in America, and uh, there's things that you're not allowed to talk against any longer. Did you see where the fellow tore down the American flag and burned it and got 15 years in prison? Did you see that? Oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong flag. He tore down the LGBT flag, and he burned that, and he got 15 years in prison. Did you hear that? Oh, that's true. That, that happened in our country, in Iowa, just a couple weeks ago. Now, you can burn an American flag, and you, you're touted by the liberals and by the leftists, uh, freedom of speech and uh, uh, this imperialistic nation, and you're almost applauded. But burn an LGBT flag, and you'll go to prison for 15 years. That's happening in our country right now as we speak. I don't want to be negative. I'm just telling you the truth. We're not allowed to speak against, uh, we had, and I'm just going to tell you, we had two nice men, but gay men that were visiting us uh, beginning last year or the year before last, I guess it was been a year and a half ago now, two years ago. And uh, I was glad that they were coming. Wasn't sure of their uh, lifestyle, but then they told me what they were, and I, and I, and I mentioned it. I was very kind from the pulpit, but they mentioned that it was a sin. And of course, we never saw them since then. They talked to me after the service, and they were, and I said, so listen, I love you. I'd like to talk to you about this, but uh, they never came back. Now, we can say we're, we're, we're going to stay away from these hot-button issues. But if the church doesn't stay focused, and the church doesn't tell the truth, who is? Our government? Our public schools? Uh, liberal churches? No, we have to stay, we have to preach the whole counsel of God. And so in our position, we need to have lace-like focus. We need to let the church be the church. We need to sharpen our focus. We, gotta, we cannot continue on, or rather, uh, let, let go of some truths uh, because they're not convenient. Paul said, I'm not trying to preach to you the whole counsel of God. So we need to sharpen our focus in regards to the, our positions, both positive and negative. There is a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. You're either saved or you're lost. You need to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. We need to sharpen and keep those, and, uh, those truths and, and tell them. Paul said I, I, later on in the chapter he talks about warning them with night and day with tears. So we need to sharpen our positions. But then secondly, we need to sharpen our second P, our programs. Just quickly, and I plan on saying much more about this in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, this is for everybody that's my age and older. I got to quit saying it. It's got to quit. I don't even want to say it now. I don't want to have Sunday school any longer. It's Sunday, and most people go to school Monday through Friday and some on Saturday, and people don't want to go to school on Sunday. 
Sunday school all across America, Sunday schools, traditional Sunday schools are dying. That is just a fact. You say, well, I don't like it tough. We're going to, well, we're just going to rename. We're going to repackage. We've got to repackage. I don't care what we call it, but we have Bible groups, cell groups, specialty classes, connection groups, call it what you want. But we're going to have to get to the point where we, we rework our Bible study time at 10.30. Now, it's going to take a process to do this. We can't do it overnight. But I'm just going to say a couple more things, a couple things that may shock you. We need more fellowship time. More fellowship is important. Bible speaks about having good fellowship. People like fellowship. We need more fellowship time. We, yeah, I'm going to shock you when I say a couple of these things here that, you know, we used to have a rule where, and I still don't, I don't like, I hope somebody, nobody has coffee here tonight, but, uh, you know, I had a thing. When we first built our auditorium 20 years ago, built our church, we had signs. We, had, we told people, no coffee in the auditorium. Well, that lasted for about two weeks. And people just come in with their Dunkin' Donuts or their, their I mean, their Cumberland Farms. I mean, this is, anyway, no coffee, no coffee. Couldn't stop it. I, I, here's the real truth of the matter. I don't think you should bring coffee into the auditorium. Thank you. I was hoping for one amen. Okay. But you know what? I'm not going to treat adults like children. If they come in with a cup of coffee, I'm just glad they're here. Uh, a glass, cup of, uh, bottle of water. You know, people say, I won't spill. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So we got stains all over these, these pews for coffee and water stains. And so, you know, but we have to have a more relaxed time of discipleship. And, and I think that it includes coffee. And uh, one of the things that... Uh, we, we're not, we're not uh, designed to do this the way our auditorium structure is, but uh, we have our fellowship hall downstairs. But a lot of churches, first thing you get when you walk in the door is coffee and donuts and fellowship. Very important. And it just, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's not going to be a regular, it's something that needs to come from time to time. We need to consider more of these things when we're talking about our programs. And, and then back to our Connection groups, we call them what you want here, our specialty classes, our discipleship time, our Bible studies, uh, more casual, smaller cell groups, shorter class time. I wanted to preach here, right, and I'm going to run out of time here, but it's going to be short, so let me just tell you, people's attention span is less and less and less. We're, we're not living in a sophisticated society. Yes, it's true. Preachers of the 200 years ago in America and for that matter around the world, gospel preachers, they'd preach for two, sometimes two and a half, three hours at a stint. People would listen with laser-like uh, uh, understanding. Today, you can't, we're in this cell phone society, we're in this soundbite society, this Twitter society. I mean, you're lucky if people tune in with you for five minutes at a time. It's a new trend that's happening, and you say, Preacher, I don't like that trend. I don't like it either. I'm, I'm being honest with you, but it's, this is a trend. We're going to shorter class times. We need to, we need to really look at that because people's attention. And uh, I look at it as, I'll take you one more analogy. Paul said, I can't, couldn't feed you with milk, but, or with meat rather, but with milk because you weren't able to endure it. Twice he said that in Hebrews 5 and in 1 Corinthians, he said the same thing, essentially, that they could not handle strong meat. Well, if you give uh, Carter boys in the back there, he's in the cry room right now. He's probably sleeping on me right now. And uh, if I give Carter a big piece of filet mignon steak, 
and I shove it down his throat, he's going to choke. He can't handle it. That's what we call child abuse. And we got to be careful that we don't abuse people by giving them more than they can handle. And we got to be careful in our, in our dietary giving to people. And we need to get back to the basics. Uh, I'm way over time on point number two here, the second P, programs. But we need to work our programs. One more, one more soundbite about programs, just for the record. Uh, our Wednesday nights have been going downhill attendance-wise, and rightfully so for one, several reasons, but one in particular, one big one that can be fixed. We no longer have any children's program. Now that takes workers and takes uh, sacrifice and it takes money and effort. And, uh, and we need to have workers again if we're ever going to get back our young people into our, the house of the young families with children in the house of God on Wednesday nights. And so I'm hoping by this fall we can start up a program again in this fall in a professional program. I have much more I want to say about that, but I'm looking at that clock here and I got like five minutes, so let me move forward. Our, if we're going to sharpen our focus, we're going to begin with our positions, both positive and negative, in our, with our programs. We've got to sharpen our programs. Number three, our presentation. As you, know, you say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Our Sunday morning service especially. This is a Wednesday night, Tuesday night crowd. You can handle this. I don't mean this in a derogatory sense. I don't mean this in any fleshly manner whatsoever, but... Sunday morning is the proverbial, to use secular terms, it's the show. I went to, uh, just give you a quick example. I went to uh, the Warner Theater for the second time in my entire life a couple weeks ago. Dustin Fender bought me tickets to see the Christmas Carol, a one-man act play. And they were $30 tickets, and Masani uh, and I got to go to this one-man act play on the Christmas Carol. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. The guy, the actor was, you've seen him on television. I guess he's been on a number of different commercials. He's a voice for Little Caesars. And uh, uh, he was just spectacular. He was astounding for two hours. Uh, he held our attention. And uh, why did he hold our attention? The show was real good is what I'm trying to tell you. If I did the Christmas Carol, do you think people, do you think 250 people would come in and hear me? I don't think so. You know, and uh, you say, Preacher, what do you, what, what do you mean by the show? I'm, I'm just being real blunt with you. This is some, almost a ministry workers meeting tonight here, but we need a strong ministry music program at our church. We, yes, we need, uh, we need some help. We need, we need assistance. We're looking for an associate pastor, i.e. a music man, uh, possibly slash a youth man, but we need an assistant pastor. We need a Caleb Schnur. We need an Aaron Waddell. I could go through the list. And we need somebody with strong music. And this is just, I'm just telling you how it is. And uh, listen, I know that I'm at best, I'm just an average preacher. And don't, don't say, preacher, quit cutting yourself down. I, I know that my preaching ability is not all that great. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a good music program in your church, you can get by with a mediocre preacher if you have a great, great music program. And I, I really, truly mean that, as bad as that, as, uh, more scapegoat as that may sound. Uh, we need to work on our music program. And I just want you to know, and, and, and there's more to the presentation than just that, but that's the, the show. And uh, I really want to expound on that more, but I'm going to move forward to give you the points four and five. If we're going to sharpen our focus in 2020, not only in, we need to do it in our positions, in our programs, in our presentation, but then number four, and this is something we can do, we can all do in our preparation or in our perspiration. And I'll give you an illustration of what I mean by that. We can work harder 
The night cometh when no man can work. Uh, my college, uh, just for the record, the Alabama Crimson Tide, you've all heard of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The basketball coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide is from my, my college. His daddy taught me Greek. Uh, we, we've turned out some professional, uh, some Olympic class gold medal winners from my, my college. But eighth year into college, 1976, I started at Maranatha as a freshman. And we, our soccer team, won. We played Camp Randall Stadium, 80,000 seats. That's the University of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Badgers. We played the University of Wisconsin Badgers football, or rather, soccer team. Okay, their JV team. It wasn't their varsity team. And the only loss of a season, that, that, that season, we, we lost in overtime 2-1 to one to the JV team of Wisconsin Badgers. But my point is, my freshman year, we won the championship for the first time, our conference championship, and the first time in the history of our college. Now, I remember you say, how did we win it? Because we had such talented players? No, we didn't. Coach Randy White was our coach, and he said, he sat us down, I'll never forget it. He says, fellas, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I hate to burst your bubbles, but we don't have the talent. We do not have the talent to win a championship in our conference. There's guys, there's colleges all that we're going to be facing every day, every week, that have much more talent than we have. There's only one way we can beat them, that we cannot talent them or we cannot hustle them. And so he ran us to death, and I do mean to death. And we really did. I mean, we won the championship. I got a, I got a plaque to prove it. And uh, we won the championship on hustle, on hard work. We're missing a lot of, and I don't mean to be derogatory when I say this, we don't have a lot of talent right now in our church in regards to certain areas. Well, you know, hard work can outwork talent any day of the year if you work hard. And teamwork, I love that phrase. I'm looking at Daniel because it's the theme of uh, West Coast Baptist College. Teamwork makes the dream work. If we all work hard and work harder in our preparation, Paul, Paul we see this hard work that he worked in this, as he labored night and day with tears uh, in Ephesus. We can work harder in 2020. Um, my year is going to start off a little bit rocky uh, personally, but uh, I'll say more about that on Sunday, but not a big deal. I'll get through it, and of course, the Lord will bless, and, and I'm planning on working as hard as I can possibly work uh, at uh, my ripe young age of 61, uh, uh, coming into 2020, but our preparation. Then number four, number five, rather. Our church, we need to sharpen our focus in regards to our positions, our programs, our presentation, our preparation, or our perspiration. But then number five, and we see it in the text, by the way, I'm not going to take time to look at it other than just give the P point, and that is in our population. We need to sharpen our, we need to work at getting people in church, our population, our two. Uh, we, we can do that by rebuilding our Bible groups, that is our Sunday school, uh, I got a two-minute illustration, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm going to forget it. Our visitation ministry on Saturday morning, 10 a.m., we need to get back to that. Our bus ministry, which is non-existent, and we need workers. We got a bus. We got an insured. We spend several thousand dollars a year on insurance. We spend several thousand dollars in maintenance on the bus, and we run a bus now five or six or seven or eight times a year. And it's, it's a shame on us here. We need, and I'm looking at poor Tim. And Tim is our only legal driver that I think we have. I think we have a couple other people that have licenses, but it takes work to do a bus ministry. And we need to work at getting new people in church. And uh, so God's called us 
with laser-like focus to sharpen our ministry in our positions, our programs, our presentation, our preparation, and our population. Just quickly, uh, Adam, I want everybody to get, uh, go ahead and pass it out if you could, please. Sharpening our focus in 2000, did you pass it already? Everybody's got one of these already? Yeah. I want to encourage you. I just finished my Bible. I almost always finish on Christmas Day, and I did it this year is no exception. I finished my Bible for the 31st official time, and uh, really I read it more than that, but that's officially uh, uh, from cover to cover 31 times through. I want to encourage you to read your Bible through in 2020. Uh, he who aims at nothing hits it every time. Uh, I'm going to read Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs 12 times this year as a plan as well. I did that last year, the year before last, rather. And uh, maybe you want to read Psalms. But I encourage you to read every day in the Word of God. Uh, exercise, discipline yourself to do that and read, read God's Word. I'd like to have it this time here, and it's uh, about 18 after. And I'd like to open it up to, for some testimonials.